Hello everyone. So today I'm thrilled to welcome the legendary Dennis Dayton to the Authors on Missions podcast. Dennis is an award-winning author, certified leadership titan, and co-founder of Kuma Learning Systems, the talent development firm that is transformed that has transformed companies like Boeing, Charles Squab, and more. We'll be discussing his latest title, Looking Up to Christ in Every Thought, including his motivation for writing, his publishing process, and tips for aspiring authors. Dennis has a true gift for inspiring uh, storytelling, so this will be an engaging conversation about an author's journey. Welcome, Dennis. Well, it's my pleasure, Vic. I'm really happy to be with you. Great. So. You have published five books, like people struggle to even write just one book. How did you manage the time? Like you have your own businesses and also you have, you're dealing with certain leaders and businesses as well. How do you get time to write the book and um, how did you publish five books, not just one? Well, the first books were are, uh, oriented to a general audience. Uh, probably particularly a business audience because the human development training, leadership training that <clears throat> I developed in my company, which is Cuma Learning Systems, that's Q-U-M-A, Cuma Learning Systems, all deal about deal with how we deal with our our thought processes and how we um, have the, really the power to surmount. Uh, the doubts, fears, and the mental obstacles that come our way. But the way I started out is I my by formal training, I'm a general dentist. Mm. I graduated from Washington University in St. Louis, uh, cum laude, and I was a very happy general dentist. Uh, I started recognizing, however, as I would go to uh, practice management seminars and other uh, more specific scientific training that the dentists I was associating with were most of them were not very happy. In fact, I think back in the 70s, the 80s, they were uh, d- dentists were leading the field in all sorts of inauspicious categories: depressions, uh, suicide, alcoholism, divorce. And I couldn't quite figure it out because we had all this autonomy. We could hire and fire who we want. If you want to make a little extra money, stay open on Saturdays. If you want to cut back, you you can do that. And I started recognizing because I'd been a student of, uh, I think, I guess, pop psychology in a certain way. But I started really with William James, the father of uh, psychology, who talked about the fact that we could control our 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 attitudes and our approaches and uh, then i got into work by napoleon hill and i started uh, coming up with my own uh take on all of that and i geared it to the dental profession and created a two-day seminar that was called dental practice with peace of mind we had a really strong uh dental practice we were a strong united team Everybody oriented to patient comfort and patient service. And so I started sharing with dentists on, it was a two-day seminar. The first day was the practice management system, how you get a team to be really united and solve some of the interpersonal things that can happen even in a small office. And it was a, you know, really quality 
uh, component for dentists in that way. But then the second day, I called it mind management. And I started getting uh, them to start thinking about their thinking. We have mm. this amazing we have this amazing property in the, that we can actually think about our thinking right in the process of thinking it, and then we can change at any moment we want if we can uh, sort of step out of our thinking to look at what I'm thinking right now. It's taking me to a destination that I don't want, depression, unhappiness, discouragement. Um, I can come back here and I can. I need to uh, apply my ability to uh, de decide what track my one-track mind is going to stay on. Uh, one of the most amazing properties of the human mind is that it, it can only think of one subject at a time, really. And we can get back into that a little bit later. But uh, along the, how the career track went, I started teaching these, this seminar, and amazingly, I was surprised that the mind management part was more powerful and, and uh, popular among them. And then they started talking to friends, and I started getting calls from businessmen and women that, that were saying that uh, we, we don't want the dental part, but we really think we could use your mind management stuff. And right. so... I started doing seminars that way. Okay, so the book writing came about as I was starting to uh, put these thoughts together that I was going to vocalize. I started, you know, writing them out, and I started realizing that, well, what I've got here is actually a book, and it would be great to support the seminar. And how did I get the time to write it? Well, when I'd be flying to a seminar, I'm kind of making notes about what I'm going to say there, and I just kept the notes. And at a certain point, uh, I, I just started organizing those notes. So I would really encourage all of the would-be authors out there that you're having great thoughts some, in a particular area that you have interest in, maybe even have a talent in that that's, that's not typical of, of the average human being. And as you get thoughts, you might just grab pieces of paper, back of napkins in a restaurant. I, would, I made some notes that way and just capture them and then, uh, you know, file them, uh, put in your word processor and file them away. And sooner or later, you're going to find that they'll become, become valuable to you. The, the uh, journey to becoming an author did for me require uh, overcoming a few mental barriers of my own. I, uh, uh, you know, my first question was, does the fact that I'm a dentist, does that have any clout or is that a credential that's going to impress anyone. But I soon got past that to rely on the value of the ideas themselves. So if you have a message that you think humanity needs to hear, uh, go for it. Uh, just t take it a step at a time. I, I think one of the biggest things that I would encourage you to do, and it's really the heart of what I teach in my seminars, is to not listen to that inner inner skeptic, that that voice that says you can't or you're not good enough or you're not smart enough. It's just the old thing that uh, I think they even call it a Chinese proverb that every great journey it, you know begins with a single step and you 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 make the journey one step at a time. Uh, from what I can gather here, Blackman's got a system that really helps people take it one step at a time. You don't have to do all your own thinking or your own research. Uh, I could have used his services, uh, you know, 20 years ago probably uh, because I, I was just kind of figuring it out myself. But 
but that's the point. You can uh, with Google, you can figure out just about anything. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, it went from that point that uh, I, I I wrote a, the first book I wrote was called The Book on Mind Management. Uh, kind of a bad title, but it's still stuck, and I still read it. The book on mind management, and then uh, I, I, I really focused on a specific aspect of our mental processing. This idea where we often uh, see ourselves as helpless or hopeless, or and we're We lose our confidence, and I started recognizing that was as a, a kind of a trend or a, a category of thoughts that I called victim thinking, and contrasted that with owner thinking, taking ownership of your thoughts, and uh, wrote a book called The Ownership Spirit, which was the 2009 U.S. Book News' uh, top winner in the business motivational category, so that's how I became a, an award-winning right. author. Right. My most my most recent book is a faith based book, but it's it's talking about uh, the important, powerful state of mind that we call faith itself, and how uh, often our thoughts will erode our own faith. So I don't need to go me much further there. So, Vikrant, uh, what would you think would be uh, a follow up question you'd want to ask there that I might be able to help your listeners uh, yeah. more effectively? So you mentioned that initially you started with um, having seminars for mind management, and then you basically converted it into a book. So right. what is the difference between writing content or presentation for seminar and writing books and how one can convert their seminars into books? Like we have got so many clients who already have so many trainings they do, seminars, webinars coaching programs is consultations but they but when it comes to writing a book like they always get stuck like what what kind of advice do you have for them what i would say is they probably they're probably already doing this i would re, i would record my seminars i get those and then you, there's lots of software that can convert the vocal uh file mp3 into word or whatever word processor you want to use and then just use that as your rough outline. The, the great thing about writing, as opposed to public speaking, is most of the time you're just shooting from the hip. And sometimes you, you, know, you use the word that comes to your mind at that moment when you're on your feet. But if you take a moment later on to think about it, there's two or three words that are more accurate and better. And then you can revise the sentence so that it, it reads well. And I really recommend that when you've written a chapter, that you read it out loud. Uh, when it's in our head, we kind of anticipate what we're because we, we've already written it, what we're what it's about to say. But it's really helpful if you read it out loud because you you'll find that you'll be able to to improve your flow. So the great thing about writing is that you can take the time to use the thesaurus to consider is this sentence going to be tightened. Uh, maybe this whole paragraph is a little bit too wordy. One of the things that, in, and again, it depends on your book, but the thing that makes a seminar li li uh, live and, and be powerful is when you can tell stories of human beings that have actually gone through trials or have used the material and concepts that I teach, 
and had had some remarkable experiences from that. And I think that, you know, storytelling uh, is a very important part of writing a, a book that grips people. You want to re relate your concepts, your truths to experiences and events that uh, people can relate to. They can actually start forming mental movies in their mind. They can say, oh, I, I can do my version of that because I've seen what, you know, there's a great TED talk on a young woman who overcame a, a debilitating bout with uh, bacterial meningitis, Amy Purdy, P-U-R-D-Y. It's a great uh, TED talk. And you know, I tell that story and, 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 and how she used visualization to get back on her feet, literally. And uh, so uh, just, again, it's writing down the flow of thoughts. And don't worry about editing as you go. You'll, you'll have these moments where uh, you just things just start flowing. And one idea will lead to another. Just go as fast as you can if you're on your keyboard. Or you know, I'm kind of old school. I'm still using pads and <laughs> pencils a lot, but uh, you just let it flow and don't worry about uh, whether it's punctuated right or you're spelling it, any words right. That you just want to get the flow and then pause when the flow starts. You know, kind of slows down and just take a deep breath. Maybe go back and read the last few sentences, and uh, almost every time there'll be something else that will come. And again, you just capture it and put some kind of a title on it. So when you want to go back that thought, you can find it in your file. Uh, Vic, do you think that's helpful? Is there anybody? Yeah, there? yeah. Of so definitely, like, um, one of the reasons, like, actually one of the top two reasons why I think that people are not able to either write the book or complete writing the book is, one, they don't start with a book outline. Two is they always try to edit while writing the book and yeah. then they and they have no idea no like you can't make the book perfect while you're writing the book it's you like people also like seasoned writers say that like you have to get your first shitty draft ready as soon as possible so uh and nowadays of course you mentioned that back in your time like you used to write in different places notepad or napkins tissues but now you have your smartphone like you can just simply record it and keep it in some app and there are some recording software that can also transcribe it for you so whenever you get any new idea you can also record it and you know that whenever you need those ideas you can go back to that app and then find those ideas and work around and then complete your book so now actually it is kind of easy for anyone to write a book um, yeah. not only write the book but also publishing a book thanks to self-publishing uh, but I'm curious that what's your take on these new AI writing tools that are in the market like chat GPT uh, have you used them um, I don't use them I I I would I've got mixed emotions about it. It can help somebody get started. Uh, you know, if they have got a point they want to make and they, they could certainly go in there and and uh, enter that subject matter and it'll print out an essay for them and so forth. But um, 
I don't know. I'm again, maybe I'm just uh, a bit too old school. I think there's something authentic that comes from each human being, their take. And uh, a lot of the AI stuff, I think, sounds a little mechanical, a little sterile. Uh, And you want to put your passion into it. And Mm -hmm. I think that can come across in your book. And then I really also, also really strongly encourage you to do an uh, an audio book too, uh, once you've got your your book uh, pretty well finished and so forth, do you do do an audio of it as well. Uh, so, um, I think it, the trouble with AI, I think it can uh, it can become a crutch. It can become so it's kind of your go-to way to to put your uh, thoughts down, uh, but it's I think the authentic you matters so much mm-hmm. that that AI, you know, it, it's that's what it lacks. I think you can it, there's it in most books that grip human beings. It's more than the verbiage. It's more than the grammar. It's more than the syntax. It's the passion of the author trying to put across the point. And uh, if you've got a subject, a message inside you. Only that you, really, you you've been given that. In my opinion, that's a God-given gift to you. Not only your desire to to teach it, but what you're teaching, the very subject that you've you've taken to, that you've fallen in love with, that grips you, that you think other people need to hear. You need to own that. And then, uh, so my. You know, I'd, I'd caution you to be uh, careful about uh, starting to rely on AI. Um, you, you know, you might get the words down. There might be some, you know, intelligent sentences. But does it convey the passion and authenticity of you, the author? Uh, I don't yeah. want to have an artificial book. I want to have a genuine, passionate, heartfelt message going out to the people who read it. Authenticity is extremely important because, for example, if you've written a book on a certain topic, maybe how to become uh, a really good dentist, if this is the book's title, and if you are just copying and pasting everything from maybe ChatGPT or other AI tools, why would people go and read your book? Or why would people, in case if they have bought the book, why would they recommend this book to other people? They can easily go to ChatGPT themselves and they can just simply search like how to become a good dentist and then they can find the answer they can simply google it they can find so many youtube videos why your book is different because of your story your experiences your expertise and the journey you have experienced like how you became a great dentist in your area and then you shared it in in your own words and of course Definitely, whenever you get stuck, then maybe you can get some inspiration from there. But 99% of the ideas should come from your own self, right? That's really important. Otherwise, people get, like nowadays, people are not fooled. Like they'll get to know that this is not written by a human. So, yeah, uh, I agree with uh, that. And what, what's your take on hiring ghostwriters to get your book done? I, I asked the question again. I'm not sure I caught it. Yeah. So, what's your take on hiring a ghostwriter 
to get your book done? Uh, well, I think you I think you have to have two two authors. Uh, I wouldn't go so far as having a ghostwriter. Um, you know, I know that there's some big names out there that write books and I mean have books on their printed under their name be, and they sell because it comes from that that person. Often there there have been news commentators or uh, so forth. There there's some books out there, but uh, I think you can have hire people to do some research for you. Uh, tell them I'm looking for a story that really illustrates this. But uh, once again, I think the uh, you, you want to tell your story. Now it's good to have a, a a content writer, somebody who shares your passion with your subject, where you can bounce ideas off that person, or they can say, well, what you said here uh, doesn't quite put it across as well, and they can give you some, uh, you know, just a, a, a content editor. You need that. And then you need a grammar hawk. You need a, a punctuation uh, person to go through and, and do that. So I I didn't do that on my first two books. I never got the grammar hawk on it that, to really work that out. But I would really recommend you get those too. So uh, a, a ghostwriter, again, it's kind of like taking the uh, taking the, the fun or the joy of your own experience here. I think one of the, whether whether there's there's not one of these books that I've written, that at the end of it, I just wasn't glad that I wrote it. If nobody ever bought one of them, it wouldn't matter. I just had a feeling of triumph, of accomplishment, of getting some yeah. thoughts down together. And it was it was coming from my heart and my mind and my experience. There's no replacement for that. I didn't want to. I didn't want to hand that off to somebody. So a ghostwriter, I wouldn't go that far. Uh, if I wanted to become just put, putting out a, a book mill and so forth, yeah, you get a ghostwriter and we put. If, if Dennis Deaton ever became a real well-known author name, we could put it on it. But it wouldn't be your book. So wow. I, 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 I would go. I wouldn't go too far with the ghostwriter idea, but you do need a good content editor, somebody that can, that uh, you know, good English major that can help you to make sure that the thoughts you're expressing come across in the, in the and, best possible way. And usually, how much time it takes you to write a book? Well, the one answer is it takes your whole life because you're drawing from your own experience. Uh, I'll just tell you about the most recent one that I did. I, I, in fact, I didn't even plan to write this book. Uh, I've written all these business books where I talked about mind management, and I, I'm very much a faith-based person. I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and I, I believe in human potential that goes on beyond life, and that mm -hmm. we are to, down here to be successful and to stretch and to grow and develop our intellect and I'd really taken a lot of uh, gospel ideas and I had put them in a different vocabulary in my business books. Instead of exercising faith, I called it visioneering, for example. Well, I thought I was really done. I'm, uh, in, most of you can see there's a few a little, there's a few miles on my tires here. And I was kind of comfortably retired, and I got this just this impression, really strong impression. Interestingly enough, it was about Halloween uh, in uh, 
2019, and I brushed it off. No, no, I, I don't want to get, get back into all of that. And it came again, and actually, uh, yeah, it was the, the, the day after Thanksgiving, which is when we're recording this here, the thought, I actually heard it in my ear. Uh, well, if you're not going to write it, I'm going to get somebody else to do it. And it just shocked me. And it felt to me uh, almost like a rebuke. I felt sick to my heart that I had received this inspiration, I think, from a divine source. And I had I set it aside and discarded it. So I started writing that day. I had started taking a lot of the materials I'd had in other books and started putting it back into a scripture context and adding quotes from religious figures that I look up to. And from the day I started that to the year, to the day I had that book in the hand, it was called Looking Unto Christ in Every Thought, Defeating Fear, Doubt, and Discouragement. It was exactly two years. Uh, the, the first book I had in my hand was the day after Thanksgiving of 2021. So <laughs> that's uh, kind of ironic that we're here the day after Thanksgiving talking about it. How does it so, feel within, like, to finally get the book done? Like, you are working it for, on this book for several weeks, months, years, and then finally this book is done. And it is not live, it is not published yet, but you know that it is ready. Like, yeah. How do how do you feel it? That you just have this, you just have this deep sense of satisfaction. Mm. Um. I think you'll have a sense of gratitude because I, I think almost everybody has some kind of a uh, a metaphysical or religious or spiritual uh, philosophy they believe that there's a higher power that wants is working in their best interest as well. I felt immense gratitude because there were times when I uh, would get into a, a part of the book that I felt like needed to be written and it was new territory for me. And I'll, I'll, I, in those moments, not every day, but there would be some times when suddenly the ideas would just start flowing to me. And I felt more like uh, the recorder than the author. So there were a couple of chapters in that Looking Under Christ book that I felt like somebody else wrote them in my, and, and, put, and I was allowed to put them in my words. So uh, it is worth it. It is worth it. You, you, you go through a lot of self-doubt. You'll go through uh, moments of discouragement, but the, but the, it, what I teach in in that book and other books is that that discouragement is not coming from your own mind. Um, you and I didn't weren't born hating ourselves, doubting ourselves. I, I like to ask some people times in in the seminars, when did you start hating yourself? And, the, and people will start to look at it and say, well, too, is that too strong? When when did you start being hard on yourself? When did you start finding so much fault with yourself? You weren't born that way. And I love Nelson Mandela's quote. I, I wasn't sure I'd use it in this podcast, but it feels like I definitely should right now. I love this statement by Nelson Mandela in his book, Long Walk to Freedom. No one is born hating another person because of the color of his skin or his background or his religion. People must learn to hate. And if they can learn to hate, 
they can be taught to love for love comes more naturally to the human heart than its opposite. So I'm saying what he's pointing out here is we're born with a, the automatic regard for ourselves and other people. And we learn by society, uh, you know, prejudices and so forth. But then I believe that there's, uh, uh, you know, we, we people will talk about outrunning their demons or they'll talk about the the negative uh, voice in their head. I think we you're, you're more powerful if you actually personify it. Don't take it on as your responsibility. It, it's not your thought. It's coming to your mind. Uh, we talk about negative thought, ne negative self-talk. It's only two-thirds right. It is talk, and it is negative, but it's not mm -hmm. yourself. You're, it's coming from this outside source. And even if that's wrong, if you disconnect your, yourself from the responsibility from that and fight it as though it were an outside enemy that's in, uh, inserting and injecting those thoughts, you are much more effective in ridding yourself of them. And I can give you, I can give you right now five tactics on how to do that but i'm not sure what this that's the the purpose of this session but you do have to overcome those uh mental uh voices Barriers. in your head yeah, yeah. you're a nobody uh nobody's ever going to read it and ultimately like i said it really doesn't matter because the personal victories and the personal growth that you will experience mm. you will always when you look uh, uh look at your book You'll get a deep sense of satisfaction. You did something uh, difficult, and uh, it's the harder it is, the sweeter the victory. They say. I just love it how you portray it, um, and we, as an author, don't see these invisible things that are going in our mind. So we always see that okay, maybe there are some other reasons that I'm not able to write the book. There's some other physical reasons. Maybe I'm not getting the time. I'm not having the right skill set. But usually everything starts from your mind, right? Everything, yes. if you have the right proper mindset in place, then you can write the book. If you always are negative towards like, hey, I'm not sure whether I'm going to sell this book or people are going to love the book or I might get a lot of bad reviews. So these are some of the reasons like people get don't get started, like analysis, paralysis, imposter syndrome. So you always have to start with your mind. You have to, you are your first uh, reader, right? So you are the first reader yeah. of the book. So you have to convince yourself that this book is worth it. Like the, the, the journey that you have experienced, the experiences, the stories, it is worth sharing. And even if this book, is going to help just one person out there it yes. is worth writing yeah that's that's really matters that's exactly it uh so you know i i know some people that have run some 100 mile races hmm. i've actually coached some of them i've had people who climbed uh tall mountains at, at mount everest and they weren't the first and they're not the last yeah and nobody will ever know their name but they have the satisfaction that they did. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, most of the times, like, for example, it same goes with the, with making uh, something big in your career as well. 
right people um sometimes ask me like okay so you have done significantly well in your life and in your business what inspires you to keep moving so um i also i always want to see that what kind of person i'll become when i go yes. to the next step right the same goes with you the grow. with the book yeah you grow you grow that is really important like why do you hit gym every single day if you you just want to see that like not every day you want to go to the gym not every day you want to wake up in the in the morning and then get started working not every day is kind of a uh humpy dory day for you but you have to get it done like because you want to see you just have got one life and you have to make it count that's yes. really important yeah oh but Trent, you just triggered something i got to share with the people yes, sure, I just, please. i i i want to say to everyone if if you don't write your book there's going to come a point in your life when the regret is going to be more painful than what you go through to write it i had a very comfortable dental practice i had a large family still had a mortgage mm-hmm. and and I suddenly got this idea that maybe I de- dentistry was only a stepping stone. I was supposed to do this mind management and spread it as far across the country as I could. Eventually went around the world, uh, but I didn't know that to start with. And I thought, I, you know, it's so secure. We, this, the, the dental practice, if I stay with it for 30 more years, Susan and I and our family will have a comfortable life. And I was actually on my on my patio when one morning just sitting out out there uh, all by myself and this idea can of risking my dental practice something my wife and i both sacrificed to get to to try this mind management training uh with no reputation nothing behind me to to, to put it across i could see myself being on that patio at age 99 <laughs> having had a comfortable life but i would be haunted with how far i could have gone with that mind management stuff and i decided i wasn't going to live with that question and i have a very supportive partner in life and she said yeah let's go for it and we did and we you know the fact if somebody had told me there that i would be an award winning author and that i would have touched that my stuff would be translated into nine languages and and taught by corporations around the world i would have not been able to believe them i would think you're smack out of your mind but you never know how far you can go until you take that first step and then the second and the third and you, and you got to remember one other thing that there's a difference between failure and failing failing is the way you progress <laughs> failure is is the is and you never fail and ultimately you can never quit yeah if if you if you listen to itzak proben play the, the the violin every day if you read a book on how to create a violin and actually went to the trouble to follow the seven steps and made a violin you would never know how to play the violin until you picked one up and started failing every flub you make teaches you something and eventually you get to a point where you can start to you know put out something that's uh you know reasonably listenable and you just keep on going and i'm telling you that joshua bell didn't give me joshua bell without not 
10, not a dozen, not hundreds, but tens of thousands of fails. It takes that to become a Joshua belt. And so uh, uh, don't, don't live with the regrets. Go for it. For you, what has been your proudest author moment so far in your career? It, I, it's actually a category. It's when somebody uh, comes up to you and says, uh, I read your book. Uh, it changed my life. How special. I share it with my friends. I've mm -hmm. had uh, many, many, many of those, and they're, they're all just uh, confirmation. I'm so glad I didn't let the doubts win. Great. And as a successful author, successful author and a CEO, you have written several books, you have training programs, you do keynote speaking and several other things. In your career, um, what do you like the most, right? Book writing, creating trainings, um, consultations, keynote speaking, any or anything else? Uh, speaking is my gift. Okay. Speaking my gift. So I love being on my front, my feet in front of people. Uh, the book writing became supportive and secondary, and it's a powerful component. But um, I, I just love being on my feet where I have, I, I love, you know, podcasts are fine and Zoom meetings are fine, but there's nothing compares to being actually in the same room. Real with audience. Yeah. Real audience. Yeah, that's, that's that's my passion and that's my gift. Right. So um, for those people like who have finally become an author, and now they want to explore, and they want to go into a speaking career, they want to do a speaking gig. Um, but they lack confidence. Right, they haven't done it previously. Like, what kind of top three or four things that you would recommend so that they can get that confidence and they can get start delivering those speeches? Like, do you recommend them going small to get some confidence and then go yeah. gradually bigger? Yeah. How, yeah, it's for example, like, it's just like, it's just mm -hmm. like weightlifting. You got to bench press 50 before you can do 60. Yeah. So, uh, Vic, I think what uh, I'd say to somebody who wants to get into public speaking and communication that way, the first thing I would recommend that they do is they join Toastmasters. There's a, mm. usually Toastmasters organizations yeah. throughout the United States. And that's a great way to just get used because you with fellow neophytes, uh, people who want to do the same thing, you know, want, want to become effective in speaking. I didn't uh, ever join to Toastmasters, but I really uh, know their, the way they work and they're very valuable. I'd start with that. And then just I start. I have done it. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah. Then, then work up a presentation that's 20 minutes long on mm -hmm. something, and then start going to some of these service clubs, the Rotary, the the uh, Kiwanis, uh, those kind of organizations, and and say you, you, you'd volunteer and come to free uh, when they, most of them have a, a monthly meeting where they have a little business, they eat lunch together, they network a little bit, but they also bring an outside speaker. That's pretty typical. Volunteer and do it free. 
for a few times to start getting your message down. And then when you get a little bit more confidence, uh, I think you'll, uh, somebody from one of those Kiwanis clubs, Lions clubs will say, hey, I need you to come over to my company and then charge them out as price. Tell them I'll come over and uh, give a half hour speech for $500. And some of you all think, well, I can't charge that much. But, but you, yeah, I'd throw out a good figure there. And that's how I started and, uh, mm-hmm. and go from so, there. So, like, I have, what I have experienced that whenever you do speaking, like, especially for me, for before your name is called out by the host, initial 15 20 seconds like are kind of you you're feeling nervous you're anxious there's kind of adrenaline rush uh and then once you start delivering the speech then you get normal and then you uh come into your senses does it still happen to you or are you are you killing it now like every speech like what what's your uh state of mind before okay you deliver I, the speech? I, I, I still have uh, the night before quivers. <laughs> I will, you know, I've uh, just had a, uh, made a presentation one week ago to a very large uh, insurance firm. If I, if I were to tell you the name of the company, everybody would know it. And the night before, uh, you know, I've got the little zeros. Am I going to be able to do this? Uh, well, you know, what if I run into somebody that's a real skeptic and I won't know the answer? That stuff will always come in. But here's the value of realizing, again, that that's not your thought. When I hear that, I say, oh, and I, I've, I've given him a name, this this voice in my head. I call him Scam. Uh, it's actually skeptic against me. Skeptic is sk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Against me, and and what is a scam? You know, I mean, S-C-A-A-M. a scam is a false theory or conspiracy to rob you of your wealth. So I decided to call him scam, and I said, okay, scam, I know what you're doing, but I've been down this road before, and I know the minute I stand up and say, good morning, ladies and gentlemen, I am happy to be here, and I mean it, that all that your all your power is just going to go away because. Uh, it, 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 there were times in uh, in the early part of the speaking career where uh, I would get so worked up. I, even a week before the the seminar, I'd get a cold sore on my cheek from <laughs> worrying. And then inevitably, when I got to the seminar and got going, it turned out great, and people loved it. And I say, well, why did I put myself through all of that for weeks and weeks of anxiety? <laughs> and so. Yeah. Now, when I can really label it as the night before, let's say, you know, Spook, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Scam, I am going to go in there tomorrow morning, and I am going to give that everything I've got. Um, I'm going to be focused on the people there and know that, just like you said earlier, Vic, if there's only one person in that room that needs this message, they're going to get it from somebody who cares about the message and cares about them. And as I start going in that direction, you know the the grip that this the doubter has on you will will greatly reduce and and it may never quite disappear even as you stand up to speak but it also at the same time is turning on the adrenaline in your body so you're more able to think clearly and rapidly <laughs> more effective. and um, how has books helped you in your speaking career 
Well, it, it gives you it gives you credibility. Um, it's all, all, often somebody's read the book and they that's why they've called you to come and speak. Other times they will even ask you, is there something that we can give to the audience that they can have afterwards to reinforce mm -hmm. it so it's not just one and done? And then you have a book or if they're they're un uncertain about um, whether to hire you or not, you send them over the book and say, this this message won't be exactly like this because I want to customize it and tailor it to you and your organization. But this will give you a pretty good idea what the content's going to be about. And then in the introduction, it's a, a, you know, a wonderful credential where they, the, the person introducing you can honestly say, this person has written a book hmm. and uh, the book is on this subject. And they don't, nobody asks you, well, how many did you sell? You know, they don't even ask that. They, you've, written, you've written a book. So it's a great credential. And uh, I wouldn't have been able to go as far in corporate America. So I started do, do, doing seminars, then convert the seminars into, into the books. I wouldn't have been able to go, go as far as I did without the books. Mm -hmm. Because once those books were out there and I could send, you know, ship uh, uh, a dozen of them so some department heads and stuff could read them and so forth and decide, yeah, this is a message our company needs. That really helped. So it's, um, your book is indispensable if you really want to go somewhere in public speaking. How much do you charge for your speaking gig? Like, of course, it varies, and I'm not sure whether you want to disclose it. Yeah, but it, it, is it, it confidential? It, var it varies on the size of the audience, but I have to travel and so mm -hmm. forth. But I, I don't show up anymore for less than $10,000 a gig. So, Got it. So um, how do you consistently generate fresh ideas and content for new books after writing five already? Like, do you have a special process or do you just uh, engage with the real audience? You get some questions and then, you, oh, I should write a book about it. Like, what's your process looks like? Yeah, that you just nailed it. Um, there's a, a great statement by Bernard Baruch. He's long dead, but he was a great uh, uh, business uh, giant and and uh, uh, and, and uh, entrepreneur. And the story is told, whether it's specious or not, I don't know, but it still makes a point. Supposedly, on Bernard Baruch's deathbed. A young lieutenant, a young aspiring person came up to him and said, Mr. Baruch, what's the secret to making millions and millions of dollars? His answer was, find a problem that a lot of people have and solve it for them. So what you just said, uh, Vic, that's how I actually Ownership Spirit came about. Uh, we'd written the book on mind management, uh, and uh, there was a, a, a a senior executive at Motorola who loved life management, but he said, we're really having trouble with people, you know, taking personal accountability and responsibility and so forth. And we hadn't come up with the title ownership spirit colleague ownership that time, mm -hmm. but I said, we'll come up with something. And so uh, with my uh, business partner and a couple of other collaborators, we just started brainstorming on how we could, uh, come up with a seminar that would help the people at Motorola be more effective in personal accountability and and responsibility and and it be it be in in about two years it became our best selling most popular seminar so you, you you know a lot of times your readers your listeners 
uh, will will tell you what the next thing to write or founder. That's true. That's true. And um, what type of leaders and companies have seen the biggest transformations after using your training programs or books? Anybody that is uh, rolling out a new initiative, some kind of a adjustment, it might be a new leadership team coming in, and they've got a they've got a vision. They know they 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 they, but they need to be able to get the rest of the organization to really catch the vision of it and to to take ownership for their role in that. So often, I mean, one of the worldwide tours I did was when. On semiconductor broke away from Motorola, and Steve Hansen was the new CEO, and he wanted to do a tour of all of the fabrics uh, factories around the fabrication locations in this uh, portion of Motorola that became on semiconductor, and and uh, so he wanted to go in there and present his message where he wanted his people to go. So. We I toured with him all these locations, and he would allow me to have the morning with him. And I taught the ownership spirit. And then I kept pointing every when I wanted them to 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 get something uh, concrete. Or you know, and I said, Steve is going to give it, be giving you the in this afternoon uh, a, a, a tremendous vision and a, a, a clear pathway to the success for on semiconductor. What I'm giving you is the tools and the mindset to grab a hold of it and make sure that uh, that goes to fruition. And so I did the morning, Steve did the afternoon, and on semiconductor, and it was uh, in just a very short amount of time winning industry awards. And uh, you know, I've got a nice quote from him that says that you know that ownership spirit became a part of the successful launch of on semi and they're still of course in business today right i believe ownership spirit is not only for owners they are only also for the team members leaders employees and having that sense of ownership in the company and then doing the action like am i right yes yes you've got to own your fears you've got to own your vision and work mm. so ownership is, is about really not waiting for something to happen or something to change or somebody to mm-hmm. fix it. It's about owning it. All right. It. Owning your life. So those of you right people right now that are still on the verge of overcoming your doubts to go for a book, own that. And and uh, I, I I just can't encourage you enough to, to just set aside the fear. Tell scam to get lost and get writing. I love the scam concept. Uh, I honestly, uh, Dennis, it was so fun chatting with you. Um, what are the top two or three? Of course, you have already given so many advice and feedback and tips and tricks for aspiring authors. But what are the last two or three um, key takeaways for authors, aspiring authors, like who are stuck, who are not able to write the book? Um, what's your final thoughts? Oh, boy. I'm kind of emptied my bucket, so I, whatever <laughs> I'm going to say is going to be kind of kind of uh, repetitive here. Uh, find find uh, the subject. There's something in you right now that you see, that you feel clearly, and that, that a lot of people ought to see and would benefit by knowing. 
I would I would really use that as my my North Pole, my polar star, Polaris. There, you 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 want to get that message out, and then just just start gathering thoughts. Anytime that something pops into your mind that kind of oh I could tie that here uh, to to uh, my subject, capture that, uh, and uh, and then sometimes when you have what writer's block, go back to one of those thoughts that you've already captured the essence of and start reading it and then more will come and that's another way even if i'm writing on a, a chapter over here on a subject and i just nothing's coming i'll go back and read something else that i've written maybe it's planned to be later on in the book and it's just a snippet i'll read that and it'll start triggering some flow and it might just flow to that or all of a sudden might be oh that's what i need to tie to over here in the book where i was stuck so and then just uh, just pers persist. Uh, discouragement. I, I think I think that scam uses two emotions to try to prevent us from reaching our full potential. He uses fear to get us to uh, to not try. He makes it sound daunting and scaring or embarrassing. We'll fall on our face. We'll we'll have absolute concrete evidence that we are a failure. You know, so he he puts fear in your mind to stop you from starting, and then if you once you get going, he'll try to use discouragement to get you to quit. And they're both lies. He's a liar, and so what I like to actually tell him that you know you're a liar, and by you telling me that I can't do it, you're actually giving me your opinion that I actually can because if I couldn't you wouldn't even bother me you'd let me fall on my face the fact that you're telling me that I can't is a backdoor confirmation that I can so thanks a lot I'm going forward <laughs> so you're get, get, getting one more reason to write a book yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. awesome I, I just love it um it's been so, a privilege Vic yeah definitely like so Please share with the, the audience that how they can find you uh, if they want to get you on a speaking stage or um, they need any consultations or coaching or training or they want to get to know more about you and your books, how they can find out more about it. Okay. My website is Q-U-M-A Q -U -M -A dot net or cumalearning.com. You can be there. If you want to order uh, the book, Looking Under Christ in Every Thought, it's lookingunderchrist.com. Um, if you want to um, engage me for speaking assignments, I'll just give you a phone number. 480 480-250-6708. And uh, we, we'll, I'll be glad to talk to you about that. Or you can email me. That's probably even better. It's Dennis, D-E-N-N-I-S, at Q-U-M-A.net. Q right. Awesome. I'm going to also put it in the, uh, the, the description of the uh, show. So again, thank you so much, Dennis, for sharing your wisdom, your insights in the publishing world, and also your your like how to use the book to get speaking engagements and how to build credibility around it. So thank you so much. It was fun chatting with you today. Oh, thanks for having me on. It was just a real joy.
best of luck to you and all your endeavors. I know you're helping thousands yourself. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Dennis.